0: Well, there's a saying that we often hear. The saying goes something like this. Some have even characterized it as a proverbial saying. Well, here it is for you. All that glitters is not gold. That's an interesting phrase. It's a, it's a memorable proverb because you, you, you hear it even still a great deal today. So what does it really mean, all that glitters is not gold? Well, the meaning of the proverb goes something like this, not everything that looks precious or true turns out to be so. Folks wonder, well, where in the world did that phrase come from? It's got to be in the Bible somewhere. Well, actually where the phrase originated from, early expressions go back, date back as far or at least to the 12th or 13th century. However, uh, there's a current saying that is derived from a 16th century William Shakespeare play entitled The Merchant of Venice. And inside of that play, you find the words, All that glisters is not gold, or all that glistens is not gold. A lot of people gave their lives trying to find gold in the gold rush the great gold rush days and many of them found what was called fool's gold. Consisting of either a pyrite mineral or even something. Um, Micah, some of the other ones that you find out there today that are not real gold. Let me, Let me tell you what we often do. We often do this even when it comes to people. How many of y'all have ever heard, never judge a book by its... And how oftentimes do we judge someone simply by the way they look on the outside? Matter of fact, oftentimes by what they wear. Hmm? Oftentimes by where they live. Well, here's the other thing that we often do is sometimes we place people in priorities based upon their social standing. What about their educational level? What about the neighborhoods that they live in? You know, we come up with this whole list of things. This whole menagerie of of things that make up based upon the judgment that we put against people. All that glitters is not gold. I thought was very fitting to James chapter 2 verse 1 through verse 13 is where we will be today. James chapter 2 verse 1 through verse 13. It's interesting, as James moves on to this next topic in his letter, he addresses them as my brethren. And let me just kind of share with you who he's speaking to. Here he is speaking to believers. And so, does it happen even with inside of the circle of believers? It does. So oftentimes it can be very... Difficult place. James chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Notice as James writes in his letter, he says, My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism or partiality. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for sending your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to take our place. And, Father, I am thankful today that it had nothing to do with who we are, the color of our skin, where we are in life, or any of those things. It's simply because you loved us and simply because of your grace, we can have salvation in Jesus Christ. And so, Father, as we consider James's... The next portion of his letter this morning, Father, I pray that we would allow it to speak to our hearts, Father, for us to see in our own lives where we are, to reflect upon the passage this morning, that we might be better disciples of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would do a work in our hearts as only he can. May your word not return unto you void, but accomplish what you desire. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. He addresses his believers here, or addresses the believers, My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. As a believer... And brother in Christ. James issues a significant warning here about the attitude of partiality or favoritism. Is it something that we find ourselves doing sometimes possibly unknowingly? It could be. But there are there are all of those hosts of other times where we do it, and we know that we're doing it. And it's interesting that James is going to come to this portion of his letter to deal with this issue, and I will tell you, church, I, I think it's an issue that we need to deal with in our churches today to be what we need to be. Now, I will tell you what. See, when you, when you preach or teach expositionally through the Scripture, okay, it doesn't allow you to pick and choose where you want to go. Because I can tell you right now, James chapter 2 verse 1 through verse 13 would probably be one of those sections where would just kind of blow by. Why? Because you don't want to have to deal with it. But when you start to reflect in your own life about what James is writing here, how very evident it becomes that we find ourselves sometimes possibly not intending to, but we do. And I think if we're all honest and truthful with each other in here, there's not a single person in this building that does not do that to some degree or some point. We would all stand guilty of his first words. In other words, let me tell you what James says here in verse 1 of James chapter 2. In other words, here's what he's saying. Having genuine faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ while holding an attitude of partiality or favoritism, is contradictory. It's contradictory. How can we say out of one side of our mouth that, yes, our glorious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we belong to him, and then out of the other side of our mouth, we practice partiality or favoritism? simply because, possibly, of what it looks like on the outside. Never understanding and realizing what may be on the inside. But partiality and favoritism cannot, it, it cannot exist. And so, to help try to clarify it a little bit, here's what James does, which is interesting. As you pick up in verse number 2, down through verse number 4, we find a hypothetical situation from James. And he lays it out for us. And then in verse 5 through verse 11, he gives us another illustration to try to support what it is that he's saying here with support from Scripture. So let's look at verse 2 through verse 4. Now it's interesting here. he says, for if a man, if a man, for if, Signals to us, it's a hypothetical situation. He's he's going to paint this picture for us. He said, for if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes. And there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes. And you pay special attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes and say, you sit here in a good place. And you say to the poor man you stand over there or you sit down by my footstool i want you to understand something about that phrase by my footstep let me let me by my footstool that is double disrespectful there was no lower place to sit than on that footstool and so we're going to take the poor man and we're say hey maybe you can sit over here well i'll tell you what why don't you just sit over here on this footstool let me say this to you this morning. That was, that was seen as being double disrespectful. Verse 4, James says, Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? And that phrase, evil motives, the Greek there means vicious Intentions with vicious intentions. Now I'm going to tell you something. That's sad because let me tell you where they're at. I'll tell you where they're at. They're in the synagogue. And we know that from verse number two. So if he walks into the synagogue, well, what about, let me ask you a simple question. What if he walks in the back door of our church? Are you okay. He may not look like us. He may not be dressed like us. He may not speak like us. Matter of fact, he could even be a little standoffish to us because he doesn't fit our our framework here. God help us that we would ever come to the point that we start sizing someone up, determining whether or not they fit our mold or not. God help us. I'm thankful today that God didn't do that with me when I become a child of his. I'm thankful today that God doesn't size us up in any manner. He offers his love and his grace to us freely. Not because of who you are. Not because of some educational level you may have. Not because of which side of the tracks you may live on. It doesn't make any difference. And so, bless God, here's what James says. So how is it that you claim to belong to Jesus Christ but yet when someone walks into your place, that's the way we treat them? Oh yeah, boy, look at there. There's someone we need to make sure we usher right up to the front. Look at those gold rings they got on their hands. There must be money there. Heavens knows the church needs money today, right? Right? Could probably contribute a great deal. Uh-huh. Some of y'all are looking up here at me with a very pious look. But how often have we have done that exact same thing? Churches. What if they don't have the means or the ability to contribute here on this side, physically here, but all oh, the spiritual need they may have in their own life that we can help minister to? See, we always look at it this way. It's what can they give for us and do for us walking in the back door instead of what can we do to be a blessing to them and see that they get what they need from the Word of God and from God Himself. It's awful quiet in here. Yeah, I'm by myself. I don't know. Let me share this with you. The literal meaning of the Greek word in verse 1 of partiality or favoritism. Let Let me just give you a literal meaning as to what that means. It's the lifting up of someone's face with the idea of judging by appearance. And on that basis, giving special favor or respect. That's the literal meaning of partiality or favoritism. Oh yeah, we... We can use you. I'm sorry, but we can't. I mean, you can come, but you have to sit over here. Simply because of what we see on the outside. Well, sure, we go after this one over here quicker. We go after this one over here faster. My dear friend, listen to me. We're not building, we're not, we're not building an NCAA football team here. We're not, we're not building where we need all of the, the cream of the crop that we could possibly get. Let me tell you something. If you're a human being here today, let me remind you of something. Genesis chapter number 1. When God created man, here's what he said. We're created in the image of God. I don't care who you are. That's the way God created you. From here in America... All the way around to the far reaches of some of the darkest, deepest jungles that you could ever find yourself into. Does God love them? He does. Why? Because we're created in his image. God help us that we would look any differently. But we do. Here's a sad, here's a sad commentary today. Do you understand and realize that the that the greatest segregated time in the in America is during the eleven o'clock on Sunday hour. Whew, quiet. You see the gospel. The gospel's the great leveler. What do you mean it's the great leveler? You see, it's available to anyone who places their trust and faith in Jesus Christ. It is. Look at verse 5 through verse 7 as James uh, continues. He says, listen. And let me, let me tell you what he's saying. He's saying, here, listen. He said, think about this for a moment. Just, just think about this for a moment. Notice how he refers to them, my beloved brethren. He's talking to believers here. He said, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? I want you to notice who he refers to here. He said, did not God choose the poor of this world? What a statement, verse 6, he goes on, but you have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? In other words, the very one that you're lifting up is the very one that behind your back will lead you and drag you through court to take every stitch and dime of money that you've got. See, they are. James says, it's amazing to me that you look at it this way. And then verse 7, he said, Did they not blaspheme the fair name by which you have been called? And that phrase, fair name, there is speaking of Jesus Christ. So do they not blaspheme the fair name or Jesus Christ by which you have been called? Turn with me to Romans chapter 3. In verse number 9, the gospel is the great leveler. Huh. I don't care who you are. I don't care how many initials you got behind your name or how many letters with periods and everything else. Okay? Doesn't make any difference. Watch this. Romans chapter 3 and verse number 9. I want you to notice what Paul writes. What then? matter of fact the question is has come who's greater the jew or the gentile well verse 9 so what then are we better than they in other words are we preferred above them not at all for we have already charged that both jews and greeks are all under sin i don't care who you are every one of us is a sinner. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and we'll see the contrast. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. For by one spirit, and I want you to notice that, not multiple ones, one. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, said, be careful the way that you look at those who make up the body of Christ. Because you have need of eyes, and you have need of hands, and you have need of feet, and you have need of this, and you have need of this. Don't it ever be said that any one of them is any lesser than the other. God help us. from the one who takes care and makes sure that the carpets are all vacuumed and the bathrooms are all clean and that all of these things take place every week. My dear friend, don't ever think any lower of them than you do of anyone standing up on this platform. God help us if that's the case. Why? We're all part of the body. And there is no one single part that's any more important than the other. And let me say this to you this, this morning. Those who are back here every Sunday morning at 10.30 or even 9.15 on the children's hallway back here that take care of wiping the, the little snotty noses and taking care of cleaning them up and making sure that they're all ready to go. My dear friend, listen to me. Don't ever think that that's a secondary place back there. Here's what we need to understand and realize. Every aspect of the ministry of this church is important. Why? Because we have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Let me ask you you a question. Have you ever thought about the special provision that God made under the Old Testament for the poor? Have you ever gone back and looked at that for the poor? Well, he did. Let me just give you a few. When you get a chance, go back and look. This was underneath the sacrificial system. And notice what we find. Did you know that every seventh year all debts would be canceled? Every seventh year. How many of y'all would like for that to happen today? (laughs) Huh? All debts are completely canceled after the seventh year. And if for some reason you missed the seventh year, just hang around to the 50th, okay? Every 50 years a jubilee was celebrated. Slaves could choose to be set free from their masters. Crops and vineyards were not completely picked so the poor could pick them for their families. So every year, even all of the, 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 the agriculture was not fully picked so that the poor would have access to it. And by the way, if they could not bring a, a sheep or a bull to the sacrifice, they were able to bring a pigeon or a turtle dove, either one. God made provision for them. If God made provision for them, shouldn't we as a church make provision for them? Partiality, favoritism, we play it, we, we play it every, we play it every day. You ready for this? Now I like this one. I think this ought to be a part of our life today. You ready? Here it comes. Did you know the poor were never to be charged interest on a loan? (laughs) You know, there were some things under the law that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Huh? It's all the other six hundred that you don't want to have to worry about. So what's James saying? You know, all the glitters is not gold. Don't judge a book by its cover. And the list of Proverbs go on. So, not only is partiality or favoritism contrary to the very character of God, it's also contrary to God's royal law. Look at verse 8 through verse number 11 of James chapter 2. Verse 8 through verse 11. So James writes... So if, however, you're fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, that royal law there speaking of the supreme and sovereign law of God. Because you see, when a king put a law in place and it was sealed with the signet of his ring, it couldn't be broken. So this royal law of the sovereignty and the supremeness of God and who he is According to the scripture. And I want you to notice that's added to the end of that. According to the scripture. What's the significance of that? Scripture is truth. That's what it is. And it is all sufficient. It covers every aspect of life every day. Without any partiality at all. a matter of fact. He comes in verse number 8. And notice what he says. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. He said you're doing well. He said, you're doing well, but if you show partiality, you're committing sin. Now, please, okay, don't look up here at me that way, like, preacher, you call that sin. That's what's in the scripture. That's what's what's in the Word. And you're convicted by the law as transgressors. In other words, it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear, James writes. Verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. Out of 613 laws that are out there, you break one of them, you're guilty of it all. What James says, verse 11. So now he's going to give you an example taken from Scripture from the Old Testament. Matter of fact, if you want to know where, he's taken it out of Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. And are you ready for this? Here's, it's, you know, I share this with you all the time. Don't skip the details in Scripture. Have you paid any attention to what he's getting ready to quote in chapter, or chapter 2, verse 11 of James? Have you noticed the two examples he's going to pull from Scripture? Because I want you to understand what they are. They are two of the most serious social sins under the law. Do not commit adultery. Do not commit murder. So, verse 11, for he who said do not commit adultery, also said... In other words, here's what I want you to understand. Same one who said don't commit adultery is the same one who said don't commit murder. For those of us who hold to the glorious Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in our life and our salvation, understanding that showing partiality of favoritism is contrary to the very royal law of God and we're committing sin when we do so, he said, oh, by the way, the same one who wrote this also wrote this. Understanding that our salvation in Jesus Christ is through Christ alone, but also understanding there is no room for this partiality or favoritism. We had a... I was pastoring in a previous church in the country. And it, it, we loved being there. We love the folks that were there. God gave us quite an opportunity of living out in the country and pastoring a country church. By the way, where I was pastoring there, uh, unbeknownst to me when I came here, Miss Jane Morgan, who we just had the funeral service for, Miss Jenny's family and all of them are from an area over there. And matter of fact, come to find out, not long after I had been here, we found out that we were almost kin to each other, okay? Because I preached two revivals in the churches or in the church that Miss Jenny's family attends today. And two of them who were here during the funeral said, oh, by the way, we don't miss you on Sunday morning with your live stream. So if y'all are watching, it's good to see y'all. But we had, a, we, had, we had something that kind of occurred in the church. You know, a lot of folks, you know, it's interesting about Baptists, we have favorite seats. <laughs> Y'all are laughing, looking up and hearing me like, what are you talking about? Not us, not me. Okay? Now, there are some folks that that favorite seat, it's not shared with anybody. And matter of fact, here's what they'll say. Well, you know I sit there every week. You know, I had a couple I'd been working on for, for weeks and spending time with and just trying to build a relationship with them. And they'd gotten hurt in a church and hadn't been in church in a while. And finally, one Sunday morning, they decided to come. And I was sitting up just kind of like right here. On the platform. And I saw them when they walked in the back door. And I said, well, hallelujah, they're here. So they started coming in the back door. And they started down the aisle of the church over here. And they kept getting closer. And I said, please don't sit in that empty spot. Wouldn't you know it? That is right where they sat down, and I'm thinking, well, maybe he's not going to be here today. God, you can take care of it that way. It wasn't two minutes. I looked up and here he comes. I said, "Well, everything that I'd done to try to get them here is just to go out the door. It wouldn't surprise me they was able to get up and walk out the back door right now." But he walked down. He tapped him on the shoulder, and here's what he told him. He said. You probably don't know this, but you're sitting in my seat. He said, I have sat in this seat for 30 plus years. And everybody here knows this is my seat. He said, but because you're a guest today, you can sit there and I'll sit beside it. (laughs) oh ye of little faith boy that would come back to get me didn't it what am I saying you never know who walks through the back doors of this building what may be going on behind them that you cannot see I gotta finish okay So we come to verse 12. He kind of sums it up right here. He said, so in light of all of that, and in light of the hypothetical that I've given you, understanding that favoritism or partiality is committing sin, it's contrary to, to God and who he is. Verse 12. So speak and so act is those who are to be judged by the law of liberty, You know, the gospel is the law of liberty. That's what it is. Meaning as a believer, we're freed from the bondage, the judgment, and the punishment of sins. We stand free of that. Because of the gospel. Because of the law of liberty. We've been set free. We're no longer under the bondage of sin. Romans chapter number 6. So therefore, we should seek to live every day that's pleasing to God and not contrary to what he would have us to be and to do. And then he gives the final warning in verse 13, and I think this kind of just drives it home. For judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy. Mercy and mercy. So, Brother Robert, what do you do with all of this? Well, let me give you some things to think about. There's one obvious message to this section of his letter. Our beliefs should control our behavior. Our beliefs should control our behavior. So here's what James is saying. There, can be, there, there should be consistency in our walk. If we say this out of one side, then it ought to be seen out of the other side. But it also speaks of the consistency of our faith. Walking consistent to our faith. And I'll just end it with this this morning. God is not the author of impartiality or partiality. He is not the author of partiality. God is gracious, he's loving, and he extends his mercy to all those who will call upon him and place their trust and faith in him today. Amen? All that glitters is not gold. And you can tell everybody that you learned where that proverbial statement came from, from William Shakespeare and his playwright. All that glisters is not gold. Amen.